Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat with Northwest Career Services, where we chat with Northwest faculty and staff about their career paths and how they came to be Bearcats. Uh, I am Northwest uh, Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian. I'm the Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today we are joined by Alex Kurt, who is an assistant professor in our School of Communication and Mass Media. Thanks for being with us today, Alex. Thanks for having me. All right. So assistant professor of broadcasting broadcast. and audio. Okay. All right. Audio broadcasting. This is your world, A right? radio fellow. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My first question, what was your first job? And my qualifications, it has to have been paid. That's that's how it counts as a job. And then your parents didn't pay you. So it has to be paid by someone, not your parents. Okay. What's the statute of limitations? <laughs> <laughs> However far back you want to go. Because uh, my first job was when I was 13 years old. And uh, my dad noticed that I was running around with some rough kids Shady in the neighborhood. <laughs> and he wanted to keep me busy and doing something constructive. So he... Took me over to the local golf course and and hired asked them, yeah, <laughs> asked them to give me a job uh, picking up driving range balls, and I did that job for about a year, and uh, then I was too busy uh, at school to come out there as often as they needed people to pick up the driving range balls, so they <laughs> gave the job to someone else, and then I started working at an ice cream store. Were you scooping the ice cream? Yep. Ah, ice cream scooper. Yep. Those were my two first jobs. <laughs> so driving range balls, I have a picture of you like with a mattress strapped to your back, like picking yeah. them up as people hit the driving range balls. Did they you were, have a golf cart? Did you go out on the golf cart? Did you have to run around out there? I had a golf cart, but they didn't have an automatic ball picker-upper. Um, it, it, was actually, it was actually a, a tube, an aluminum tube with, that had like a bag on the top of it, <laughs> and you would stick the ball into the tube and they would just fill up the oh, tube and then fill you. up the bag at the you. top. And so I got $3 for every 55 gallons of oh my goodness golf balls that I picked up. Yeah. I believe they call those shag bags. Yeah. That's my father's a golfer. So <laughs> I bet you're right. We had a shag bag at home. So pretty much I was, I was kind of the richest kid in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So we like to move. So we move out of the, the golf land, move into ice cream scooping mode. Mm -hmm. How long did you keep that job? Was that a fun job? Did you get to eat ice cream? I ate ice cream all the time. Ah, I would have liked that job. Yeah, I did. It, it was in an airport. <laughs> and uh, so I would go to the airport and um, scoop ice cream. I would usually work you know, evening shifts and things like that. It, I think it closed at 10 o'clock. Sometimes my parents drove me to work. and uh, But then, being the cool guy that I was, I got a girlfriend who was 16, and she would drive me to work sometimes and drop me <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm already, this is this is cracking me up. I think your dad was right about that real <laughs> So where did you grow up? Airport ice cream shop? Well, um, I was born. I was raised mostly in Southern Illinois, but during that time, for about five years, my family lived in Jacksonville, Florida. So that was where the golf course and I got the you. airport okay. stuff all All right. That makes out. sense. That that comes together. Yeah. All right. So you're scooping ice cream. You're did you do that all through high school? No. I did that for just one year. Okay. And then right, um, I guess right about a year 
after I started that job, then my family moved back to Southern Illinois. So, oh, bye bye girlfriend, yep. bye bye ice cream yep. shop. Oh, lost my cool girlfriend yeah. with a driver's <laughs> license. Got to get you away from that rough crowd. <laughs> yeah, the influence too much. So, what did you do then? Where did you? Well, then uh, I went to work at my uh, my grandfather's auto body repair shop. My dad came back to work at the family business and take it over. Ah, gotcha. And so that was my after school job all through high school. Did you do the auto body work? Did you do? I started stuff? out sweeping floors and washing cars and sanding body panels and stuff like that. But eventually, I ended up actually learning to do body work and painting and all that kind of good stuff. And I actually worked there off and on until about Last two summer. years ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so so you go through high school, and you have got golf and ice cream and auto body shop experience. So I'm assuming you went to college at some point. I did. did. you have, what did you want to do? When you're a kid, what did you want to do when you grow up? I wanted to be a musician. Really? Mm-hmm. My whole life, that's what I wanted to do. What um, kind of music? What kind of instrument? Singing? Maybe Guitar. Singing. Guitar and singing. And so I started playing the guitar when I was maybe, let me think, six. Oh, my mom wow. bought me a guitar for Christmas one year. No, it was my birthday. And uh, I took guitar lessons until I was 11 and didn't learn anything because they were teaching me out of a book and it was not music that I liked and I just wasn't interested in it, you know? So, um, fun fact, I also got kicked out of piano lessons because I would just tell the lady to play it and then I would just copy her. Yeah. I couldn't read music. Yeah. <laughs> she figured it out, threw yeah. me out. Yeah. It was kind of like that with me too. I, it was just, I just wasn't into it because of the way the teacher taught, I guess. But, uh, as I got older in Florida at the time when I was, Doing the driving So that's how stuff. you got the girlfriend, right? Was the guitar. She liked the, I the wish, guitar but that player. I worked out no. for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I honestly, to this day, don't know what she saw in me. <laughs> so you wanted to be a musician. So then when you graduated from high school, did you go pursue that or did you have a band? I did. I started playing in bands. I think my first band was when I was 15. And uh, I played in bands all through high school. And we were we were like a metal band, played Guns N' Roses and Metallica and all that kind of stuff, Black Sabbath. And then um, right, I guess it was my senior year of high school, I joined a different band and we wrote all our own songs. And that's whenever I actually, we actually started booking shows and I was... I guess dishonest about my age so that I could actually play the show. <laughs> Get shows. in and play, yeah. Yeah, because you had to be, you had to be nineteen to get in. I think I was seventeen at the time, and uh, <laughs> on my twenty-first birthday, actually, I was playing in a in a bar, and had partaken of beverages before then, and the <laughs> bar owner had thought that I was twenty-one, and she was not happy with that <laughs> when she found out that it was my 21st birthday <laughs> so how long did you how long did you do the band playing around playing well, in clubs or bars or whatever I was in that band until from let's see probably about 92 until 95 and then I didn't really play in a band a serious band after that for a few years 
Uh, that was when I first started going to college. <clears throat> so you weren't playing while you were in college, or did you play some in college not, as well? Not the first couple years I was in college. Um, I was still playing with people, but we didn't have a serious band or mm-hmm. play any shows for pay or anything. And I was focused mostly on school at mm-hmm. the time. But then the weirdest thing happened where this guy called me who owned a recording studio in the area. It was the nicest recording studio in Southern Illinois. It was really nice. And uh, a guy named Richard Banks, he owned Blue Earth Studios. And he called me and said, there's this band from Florida who is here recording this kind of Calypso pop album. And they brought this singer with them, and the singer can't sing in key. <laughs> and we can't make an album. These guys are spending tens of thousands of dollars to make this album. It was all analog, two-inch reel-to-reel tape, you know, <laughs> like $500 for 15 minutes of recording time, you know. and uh, With a singer who can't <clears throat> sing on key. And yeah. 90s dollars. So. Yeah, 90s dollars. Yeah. So thousands of dollars. Now. Yeah. So then um, I went out there to fill in, basically cover for this guy, and I sang on this album, and let's see, after that, they released the album, and then they tried to get me to join the band, (laughs) and I was like, this is not my kind of music, but whatever, so I went and I met this entertainment attorney in Miami who had come to our show, and uh, he basically invited us to his office. We go in there, and the whole time I'm thinking, I don't know why I'm doing this, and, like, I, I really should Run enroll away. in classes for, my, you know, and all this kind of stuff because I was in college at the time. And uh, the guy just told the band that he wasn't interested in the band, but he was interested in me trying to <laughs> trying to find a record deal for me and not the band. And I was like, reason I'm sitting here right now is because these guys asked me to sing on their record. <laughs> I'm not even really a member of the band. This is really weird and comfortable. <laughs> and so those guys were just like, hey, you know, good for you. <laughs> and so I kept in contact with that person. But after that, I had a couple of meetings with some people in the industry from BMG record label, which I think now is owned by Sony. Mm-hmm. But uh, I talked to them, and they would ask me all these weird questions like, oh, so you want to be a songwriter? Well, we know that, uh, or we believe that the best songwriters are tortured souls. Are you a tortured soul? (laughs) And I was just like, this is the weirdest conversation ever. So I didn't really follow up with that guy after that. I kind of left that be. And uh, then I just got in this phase in my life where I just wanted to go on big adventures and So I went and lived in Colorado and worked as a wildland forest firefighter and a mountain parks maintenance worker, and that was really cool. Um, (laughs) I'd probably still be working there if they would have hired me on permanent, but it was like a seasonal job where I would never get laid off, but they would schedule me for for 39 hours (laughs) so they didn't have to give you health insurance, that kind of thing. So, I so, kinda, so yeah. did you not go to college while you were doing your adventuring phase? You kind of right. just stopped out. Then? Yeah. So what I made stopped, you go? I stopped going to college for 15 years. Oh, wow. While yeah. you were. I went for two years and then didn't go back. I, I went for two years. Let me think. It was 95, 96, 97, 
was in college. And then after that, um, I didn't go back to school again until 2010. Wow. So what made you go back? Well, I got married. <laughs> and so... There was some stuff we skipped, but <laughs> I was I, I was in this band. <laughs> I was in this band after the whole Colorado thing. So it, in '99, I moved back to Southern Illinois and started a band called the Woodbox Gang with a couple of other guys. And that band actually started touring nationally. And I was in that band from 1999 or March of 2000, I think it was, up until well, I'm still in that band, but. <laughs> Career-wise, it was up until about 2009. So the singer in the band had gotten himself into some trouble by running some kind of Ponzi scheme on the Internet, trying to sell T-shirts and stuff like that. It was I still don't really know what he did. <laughs> but he ended up getting sent to jail for two years. So I was like, my career has been destroyed. <laughs> you know, like we were doing really well. And uh, it was... Freaky, and I was married, and the same month that my friend told me, my business partner basically told me that he was going to jail, so my career was trashed. At the same in the same month, my wife became pregnant with our first <laughs> child, and I was like, "Okay, life change, major life yeah. change." <laughs> so I was like, "I'm just gonna." I was like, "I've developed all these skills in audio production, making all these records and stuff." I don't want to live in a van anymore. Um, <laughs> I want to be home and raise my kid, you know, and I was 35. So I was just like, I've had enough of this. So I went and investigated the programs at SIU and they actually had an audio arts program, which they hadn't had before, or I would have gone into that instead of music, you know? So, um, yeah. So I went into that. And so the first time I was a college student, I didn't do all that great. I actually had to go to community college for a semester to get my GPA up high enough to get back into SIU. I gotcha. Because I, I had run about off. That. I had run <laughs> off with the band, you know. So I did that and got my GPA up, and then like from the time I did that until I had graduated with an MFA, I got straight A's. Wow. With an infant, and then another infant was born during that time as well. So it was, I've slept almost. Not, not at all <laughs> for like five years. It's interesting that story because we've, we've had another faculty member on here who kind of had the same path. She was an adult learner going back. And mm -hmm. it's amazing how non-traditional students are so, a lot of you times so much more successful. Yeah, you have a different source of motivation, right? <laughs> it's like if I am doing this, I'm, you know, you're making sacrifices that don't, don't just affect you. But right. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it was three other people being affected by this. And so I was playing music at night to make enough money to pay the bills and going to school during the day and taking care of the kids. And, oh, my gosh. Yeah, Like, that's I don't crazy. know how I did it now. Like, looking back, <laughs> it's crazy. But I didn't have any gray hairs before that. Look how white my beard is now. <laughs> Okay, so did you know that you, like, how did you end up teaching? It, I mean, this is a, a musical career, a wandering firefighter, a, oh, no, I need to make a career change into, did you know that you wanted to teach? I mean, you obviously had the audio skills, but. Well, I just knew enough about the industry to know 
how hard it is to get a job in a recording studio. Mm -hmm. It's very, very hard nowadays. It's not like it used to be because everybody has a laptop and garage band and, you know, most bands don't have enough money and to pay for a recording. And uh, I, I guess record labels have a completely different role in the music industry now than they, than used, they used to. to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just the industry has changed so much that I knew if I wanted to do what I love to do and be involved in it, I needed to find another way to do it. And, you know, honestly, the reason I came up with the idea was because SIU, I lived in Southern Illinois and SIU was one of the two or three places that you could work and actually get benefits and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, maybe I could just be a college professor, <laughs> you know? And then I went there and, and uh, I loved the program and had a really good relationship with my professors who were mostly the same age as me. <laughs> and for the first couple Yeah, that's of years, the whole different aspect of going back mm -hmm. to college as an adult I, that I think sometimes students who are younger miss out on like, well, yeah, I just talked to him because, you know, we're dropping off our kids at school or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually became really, really good friends with, with my college professors, a lot of them. And uh, they ended up becoming colleagues, you know, but it was the weird thing was going to college classes with people who were literally half my age. <laughs> like I was sitting in like an intro to mass media class or something like that with 18 and 19 year old kids. And I was 35 or 36. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I was listening to the things that they said and their opinions about things. I was like, I thought that same thing when I was your age. I was like, I'm literally old enough to be your dad. <laughs> so how did you make it to Northwest? So you graduated college. Mm -hmm. I graduated with an MFA. Mm -hmm. from, so did you go straight into your MFA? Like yeah. you got your undergrad and then just were like right I into the MFA? I busted it out as quickly as you possibly could with kids. Mm -hmm. But I always had at least 15 credit hours a semester and actually went full-time in the summers, took intercession classes, everything I could possibly do to get through there as quick as possible. And uh, so when I graduated, well, when I graduated with my undergraduate degree, I asked one of my professors who I really trusted with her opinion, I was like, should I go into the PhD program? And she was like, you could, but since you want to make things instead of writing about things, maybe mm -hmm. you should go into this other program. I didn't even know what an MFA was. Mm -hmm. And she said, we have a program here and you can study audio and get an MFA. And I was like, awesome. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> so I did that instead. And I mean, basically you're on the, the same, you're in the same rank as PhD. It's just, it's a different degree for a different purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now, instead of writing books, I'm supposed to create things, which is great. And that's you know? right up your alley, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yeah. So I graduated with that MFA, and then I was I almost moved to Florida and worked for the L.A. Film School there because they have a branch there. Uh, I think it's a part of Full Sail University. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't want to work for a private university, mm -hmm. but they were offering me a job. I turned down a tenure track position in Colorado because the pay wasn't enough to support a family. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, cause I turned it down. Cause I was, that was the first job I applied to after I graduated. And I was like, Oh my God, if it's this easy, 
I'm just going to wait till I get a really good offer. And then like, I was like, oh my God, nobody's offering me the job. I, I applied for 90 jobs. Oh my goodness. And it was just, most of them wanted somebody who did video and audio, or they wanted somebody who, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. There were so many things. Like some of them wanted more of a art aspect of things, uh, more sculpture. Some people were more into like electronic music stuff. And like mm-hmm. nobody was really looking for exactly what I was. So I just did so many interviews and I was really starting to get discouraged. And I actually took a job at a printing shop because I was like, I got a family to raise, you know. So I was playing music and doing the printing shop making these big display banners for trade shows and stuff and uh, working with some friends of mine. So it was fun. (laughs) But uh, then I got offered the job at LA film school and I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to take this job because it was, it was a pretty good job. It's just, I did not want to live in Florida again and I didn't want to work for a for-profit university very much. And it was teaching all completely online classes. Uh, Yeah. So then I was sitting in bed at midnight watching television with my wife and my phone rang and I was like, I looked at it and it was this guy named John Plascoda who went to SIU and I knew him from there and hadn't seen him. Well, I had seen him at a conference in 2014 when I was a grad student and that was the first time I'd seen him in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is this guy calling me at midnight? <laughs> And I answered the phone. I was like, John, what's up? And, you know, I thought he was going to give me some awful news or something. And he was like, you still looking for a job? And I was like, yeah, yes, I am. And he was like, how do you feel about living in Missouri? And I was like, I live in Illinois. It's what's close the difference? to Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> Just cheaper. Yeah. yeah. So um, he said, well, the place where I used to work, they're looking for somebody exactly like you. They're looking for an audio person. They called me and asked me about it. If I knew anybody, they need referrals. You know, they they need to fill the position quick because the person who had the job had left without much notice. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we, we need to fill this position. We don't, it's going to be hard to do this search as quickly as we need to do it. So they needed people referring them. So anyway, I was like, all right, well, where do I need to send my stuff to? <laughs> and like, I got a call like two days later, maybe it was even the next day. And it was like a phone interview with Will Murphy, (laughs) who I guess was on the committee. And then, um, I think maybe just a few days later, I, I had an interview with the whole committee. And then not too long after that, I came out for an in-person interview and then I was offered the job and I just loved it here. I mean, this this job is great. It's exactly what I wanted to do, and my colleagues are really awesome. Um, I like the people that I work with a lot, and the the, the culture here is is really cool. I mean, I've, I'm like, this is the best job I've ever had in my <laughs> life. Yeah. So what? So when you say you're doing what you love to do, so what do you do on a regular basis as an associate professor broadcasting? Well, I teach um, all of the recording classes, which I love teaching. Um, audio post-production I'm teaching right now, which is sound for moving images, film sound, and stuff like that, which is super fun. I have the students pick out... Uh, 
a scene out of a film, like a five-minute scene, and scrub all the audio away and then replace it all. I've got students doing a scene out of Jaws right now, which is really <laughs> cool, and some other students doing a scene out of uh, Batman, the one that had uh, Heath Ledger in mm-hmm. it as the Joker. It's like the bank robbery scene mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. They're doing that scene. It's lots of fun, you know, but uh, I also teach – Advanced audio for music, which is music recording studio techniques. Um, And I teach audio tech and recording, which is basically like teaching students to use the recording studio. The equipment, right? Yeah, you have to take a class about how to use it before (laughs) you start really using it. Yeah, which I have them using it. It's all hands-on stuff, but it's like the music recording class is more involved, more requirements. And I tell I talk to them about a lot of production techniques as well. So then there's also intro to audio, which basically is like Pro Tools introduction class. Um, and I teach them how to make radio productions, things like that. And you're the advisor for the student radio station too, right? Yeah, for KZLX. And uh, that's a lot of making things. Like you're 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 still kind of you're teaching students, but you're very involved in the making of things, right? right? Yeah, and I mean it's great. And then I also teach media business and entrepreneurship, which is, that was a little out of my comfort zone. I was like, well, I studied all this in school, but, you know, I never worked at a newspaper or a television station or anything like that. And, you know, that media business and entrepreneurship covers all media, you know. So I studied a lot to teach that class just to make (laughs) sure that, you know, I was giving them the best instruction that I could. But uh, it's that one was the biggest challenge for sure. But it's fun because they make a business plan in there. And, you know, I get to find out exactly what they're really interested in. And, yeah. and I'm like, you know, make this for you because by learning to do this, you could actually maybe go out and someday say, hey, Mr. Banker, I want a small business loan to start this videography business or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, you could actually do something with that. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're having a hard time finding a job, maybe you can get somebody to loan you the money to start your own job. You know, isn't that supposed to be the American dream? Like work for yourself. (laughs) Maybe being in a band. Yeah, maybe. And you you still play music too as well, right? Yeah, I do. It's just not as not, well, there's not really a music scene here. Not much. Yeah. Um, Kansas City has an amazing music scene, but it's too far away. I have kids, <laughs> you know. If it was maybe in St. Joe, I might participate more. But Maybe we should make our own music scene. Yeah. Right? People have said that. I'm like, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be crazy. I mean, it, it wouldn't be impossible. I mean, I was just surprised that the university culture here, the student culture wasn't more inclined mm-hmm. to start bands and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like I just maybe took it for granted at SIU because there were so many bands. It was ridiculous. So many house concerts going on all the time. Mm. Cops coming because the music was too loud and too many people <laughs> in the yard. It was all the time. And and it just seems like it, that isn't quite as much of the student culture here. Mm-hmm. It seems like, or maybe it's just a generational thing. I don't know, but it seems like, Students now are more into going to dance clubs mm-hmm. and EDM and cr- making music on their computers rather than playing out there with the guitar on the porch, and, yeah, <laughs> beating on drums and spending their student loan right. money on amplifiers and all that kind of stuff. Well, any listeners, if you have a chance to see Alex perform live, 
he's amazing. Like plays a one man band, kind of. It's fantastic. So highly, Thanks, highly recommend um, that if you see him playing like at the pub or somewhere locally, <laughs> go watch. It's awesome. Well, the one man band thing is kind of uh, by necessity because like I had to be able to make enough money to pay the bills. So I was like, if I play by myself, <laughs> you can keep all the money. I can make five hundred dollars <laughs> instead of one hundred dollars. So. That was kind of that, but, uh, and it, it, people liked it. So I just kept doing it. But in here, it was, it's pretty much the only choice. Right. You know? Well, to someone who has no rhythm to see you playing like three instruments simultaneously <laughs> is mind blowing. It's amazing. I was trying to teach my daughter how to tap her foot and play the ukulele in time <laughs> yesterday. And she was like, how do you do that? Yeah, it's impressive. Like, You'll get it. You'll get it. <laughs> Any tips or tricks or wisdom uh, as someone who definitely has a non-traditional kind of career path of wandering and, and finally deciding, okay, this is where I'm going to change my career because of these other circumstances. Any tricks, wisdom, tips, any advice say, for people? Well, number one, if you're a musician, don't ever let, or whatever you do, don't ever let anybody say, well, that's a good fallback plan. Like people have always said that about music to me. Like, well, you know... It's a good fallback plan. The fallback plan is what has made me be able to survive. Mm -hmm. Like if I didn't have music, I would have never been able to get through college because I wouldn't have been able to pay the bills. You know, the simple fact that I could make a thousand dollars in two nights playing music made all the difference in the world. You know, I would not have been able to make it had it not been for that. So the fallback plan may actually be the thing that the plan A yeah, that gets you through and <laughs> in, in hard times, you know, I mean, if you can do anything that you can make money at, you know, that can get you through being a non-traditional student. Don't give up on the things that you want to do. I would say also stick with it. You know, if, if I can get through grad school <laughs> with two infants, anybody can do it. There is nothing about me that is extraordinary or anything. I just, I just made myself do it. You know, I just accepted the fact that I was going to be tired. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you just have to accept the fact that you're going to be tired. And <laughs> I would also say to keep an open mind about things too, because when I went back to school, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to try to work at SIU. That was my whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to try to work at this university that's eight miles from my house because, you know, it's, it's huge. It's this huge institution and I can get benefits and take care of my family. And I went there and I was like, I, I can do it. I know I can do it. I can know I can do it, you know, but in the back of my mind, I was like, unsure of myself a little bit too and sometimes I would think how in the hell am I going to get through this mm -hmm. but you know if you just don't give up and keep an open mind because I didn't know about MFAs I thought I was going to have to get a PhD and instead of making using my creativity to make a thesis I thought I was going to have to write this huge book and do mm -hmm. all this research and I was like I can do it because I'm interested in a lot of stuff and but I was scared, you mm -hmm. know, but then all of a sudden it changed. And then I got to make stuff for my thesis. Well, I had to write some stuff too, but the book only had to be like 50 or <laughs> hundred pages long <laughs> instead of this huge thing, you know, cause I had all this work to go with it. But, you know, I would say just keep an open mind, be open to 
new opportunities or new ideas that make sense. Because sometimes you won't know about things going in, and all of a sudden things just happen, you know? It's weird. It's almost like this: the universe decides. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll catch you next time.